Mindfulness at Work is thrilled to share the efforts of the Obama Foundation with our audience. Their message and mission is to inspire, empower, and connect people to change their world. It's a message of hope, and we at Cara Pollard Coaching support that idea wholeheartedly. Find out more at Obama.org. Hi there, and welcome to our podcast, Mindfulness at Work. I'm Cara Pollard. And I'm Beth Miles. We're here to talk about how and why life works. Or at times when it doesn't. We'll discuss all kinds of topics that affect us and that either encourage or even get in the way of mindfulness. We believe every relationship is improved by being mindful, especially the relationship with yourself. Mindfulness at work. It all starts right here. Hi, Cara. This is our first attempt at a podcast. Yes, it's very exciting, isn't it? It is. So I thought today maybe we could talk about how it is that we're vulnerable enough to work together. That's a fascinating topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think... From my point of view, the discovery of vulnerability via you um, has been um, such a rich and ever-expanding discovery, so I would love to talk about that. Great. So um, when we talk about vulnerability, um, sometimes I think we don't know its purpose or the impetus for becoming vulnerable. And um, if I had to ask you, what do you think allowed you to become vulnerable enough to want to work together? Could you answer that? Um, Yeah, I think that is a uh, fascinating question. And I was probably somebody who had very mixed feelings about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So I think personally, it was even more surprising that vulnerability would be something that I would embrace. Um, and I think this goes back to sort of our childhood and how we were raised and where we were raised. And at least in my family, to show a weakness was definitely a weakness, right? To mm-hmm. let someone in. And um, so you mean by by being by being transparent or by showing or um, even validating the fact that you have a weakness um, and being vulnerable was to be equated with weakness. Absolutely. And I remember the television ad probably in the late 70s or early 80s which completely informed my life based on the foundation in my family. But it was with Donna Karen and it was mm-hmm. for a perspiration ad <laughs> and it was never let them see you sweat. Uh-huh. And Donna Karen was actually someone who went on to be uh, my, um, just a big figure in my professional career. I didn't know at that time she would be, but those words really resonated with me. And I was like, oh, I got it. So the key to this is just don't ever let someone see you struggle, right? Mm-hmm. You have to just always be on your best game, even if you aren't. And um, 
And I think that also for me came from a competitive family, competitive culture, mm-hmm. um, the youngest of a big family. You were always fighting to get a space at the table. And so you were going to just power through, right? Right. And so the, the, the problem with that, that I, that I feel like immediately is if you never let him see you sweat or you never let anyone know that you struggle, that implies that you're stuffing and stifling your own growth. So you're stuffing your struggle, which then to me means you're stifling your growth. Does that, does that resonate with you at all? Um, yeah, I think the stifling of my growth probably didn't happen until later mm-hmm. because my strategy worked until it didn't work. Oh. My strategy worked until, um, well, one, I think, I think it stopped me from asking for help because you don't, you're never going to let someone see you sweat. You're never going to let anyone know you might need help. And, and it became a vicious cycle for me where I never learned Mm -hmm. to ask for help. And then when you keep pushing, I mean, you can push a long way and make inroads. Mm -hmm. It's just when you for the push Mm -hmm. and then you have no other tools you're just mm-hmm. flat out broke, right? So when things got really hard for me and I couldn't just deliver it all myself, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. And things did get really hard for me. So um, if we go back to like the vulnerability part, when things got really hard for me and I had this idea of, mm-hmm vulnerability I thought well maybe try that (laughs) because this certainly isn't working right so it was only something that I allowed myself to flex when I became really unclear Mm. how anything else yeah so you were pushed to the point where there was nothing else to do so the don't let him see you sweat Mm -hmm. you were almost I mean, drowning in a pool of sweat and you didn't have a choice but to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell me about that that point where you were drowning and that you thought, okay, I'm going to I'm going to let someone um in on my weakness or my vulnerability. Of course, I don't think of it as a weakness, but I'm looking at it from your viewpoint. Um yeah. at that time. Um and and how that affected change or growth or what, what actually happened at that breaking point? So, um, (laughs) I'm happy to share that. So I think interestingly enough, if I, you know, if I have to describe how I learn, I am Mm -hmm. definitely an observant learner and I study things, right. And I take in a lot of knowledge from my environment and, um, and, you and I as childhood friends, but who've lived a life kind of coming and going in each other's life and path. And, um, we weren't intimately close at this point, but we were connected Mm -hmm. through social media and it was actually listening very serendipitously. I came across this Mm -hmm. podcast that you had done 
and it was a story that you told of your own um you told the story about forgiveness mm -hmm. related to your family but the basis of you being able to tell that story i realized was you just telling your story and not really caring about uh what anyone might think of that story not that not that you should but i think that's what i felt when i heard you tell that story mostly because as knowing you since the sixth grade oh. i never knew this story and i thought wow <laughs> how is it that i knew cara right a kind of sweet childhood friend and knew nothing of the story that had major implications for you as a little girl the story of your your parents and your mother and um and you were so real and honest and then you you talked about the reality of that the transparency of your feelings and i really was struck with this idea that wow if kara can do that one maybe mm -hmm. kara can help me do that and then maybe i can heal from the things that had made mm -hmm. me feel somewhat lost uh, similarly yeah. to how you have healed. That's, that's so great because I think being an observant learner as you are, then you could observe my vulnerability and try to make it applicable to what you wanted for yourself, which ultimately was growth. And I think um, mm -hmm. in order for any of us to grow, we have to be vulnerable. And we also have to recognize it's so strange that no one ever told us, I think, along the way, that in order to grow, you have to go back to your childhood and figure out what generational beliefs were imposed on you or, you know, just you, you took along the way and which ones were working for you and which weren't and how you could go back and find a new way of being in the world for your growth and all and oftentimes we do it for our children like we do it at a point when we know whatever we're doing isn't working for our children but i think ironically it it um, affects growth in all areas of our life when we kind of can go back and be vulnerable about something from our past or learn who we are and why we operate the way we do and whether it's working for us or not. And so I don't know if that resonates with you or if you found through your, your growth that that occurred. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think, um, that was probably one of the most surprising and rewarding, um, paybacks of this work was that I came to you certainly with a, um, you know, my own personal situation of how I felt and having mm. experienced a lot of loss, I wanted you to help me bandage up some of this loss. But what I found was that we didn't just, you know, solve the question for X. We just solved the question <laughs> kind of for Beth, right? We just looked at me. And then you helped me see how that I that beautiful idea of everywhere I go, there I am. You know, I I brought these same this same toolbox um, 
that was pretty barren at the time to every point in my life. So whatever tools you helped me build back into that box, I could bring to every, I could bring it to a meeting. I could bring it to my daughter's school. I could bring it into my daughter's bedroom to deal with Mm -hmm. interpersonal mother daughter stuff. I could deal with my neighbors. I could, you know, really just be a Mm. human being with my toolkit. So yeah, yeah. that was a beautiful way to describe it. That, um, really it's just learning how to use what's within you and to use it to your own advantage in the form of a toolkit. I love, love, love that. That's, (laughs) that's really a great, a great way of saying it. Um, uh, <laughs> you helped me build it, so I well, appreciate it. <laughs> you helped me see. You mm-hmm. helped me see that. You, you also helped me. I think the beauty for you and I was that we had a childhood upon which, for, for me, I know it made it easier for me to be vulnerable with you. But it also had the potential to make it more complicated for me. Because I had to reveal all the the Mm -hmm. pain parts of my life, Mm. and you knew my family. So in a way, if you had been a stranger coach, that may have been easier for me. For me, it was mixed, and I really had to trust that you cared about me, you cared about your work. Mostly you came, you know, you're a professional. But then that personal part of you, I wasn't going to feel scared to let you in on no my mm-hmm. family was totally imperfect and in that imperfect there was love but there was right. a lot of imperfection and that imperfection stuck right and I'm trying to like wipe these imperfection points yeah. off me and they don't go away yeah right so I I think um I think there was so much learning and trusting that I had to do. But as I said, I was, Mm -hmm. I think so ready because I just didn't know where else I thought, why not try this? Because the other things I've tried have not served me so well. So I think vulnerability is, is a prelude to, to trust in a way or vice versa. Trust is a prelude to vulnerability. Um, and I really am grateful that you trusted me enough and I know it was a leap of faith and I know you had to be vulnerable to trust that the personal history wouldn't impact or, you know, be broken. The trust wouldn't be broken in any way in that if you revealed something about your childhood that you could trust it with me for your own growth. And so I think that that is, um, Mm -hmm. is another thing to highlight that it, it only enhanced your growth and it only, I think catapulted it in, in many senses. And so I think because you were drowning in that sweat, you were able to know that, um, that it would be for your own good. And of course in our work, it's not like, it's not therapeutic in that we go back to your childhood and discuss all the hurts. We just let those hurts inform the growth going forward. Um, you know, or what, 
what from your childhood doesn't serve you anymore in what you want to bring forward. And mm -hmm. yeah, no, nobody's childhood is perfect and no parents does, or, you know, most parents don't do things purposely to their children. They don't often know any better. But mm -hmm. now that we've been given some of these, um, oh, latest research in the, the, the brain science and in that in order to be the best parents we can be for our children, we have to see who they are um, and know when we're letting our own ego and our own self kind of muddle all of who our children are. And that's another huge vulnerability, right? Because we have to even see the ego um, and see mm -hmm. ourselves um, naked and know what's what's good about what we're doing with our kids and what isn't. So um, again, another thing to applaud you on, because I think you're one of the hardest working people I know. So. Well, thank you, Cara. <laughs> I think, you know, it's something you just said, um, just reminded me of, of like this idea of vulnerability and something you really helped think about and work on was the idea of but you know following up what you just talked about about the ego um in my in my childhood and this this training ground of never let them see you sweat i don't think there was a lot of um seeing yeah i'm the youngest of a big family there was not a lot of bandwidth for my, my, you know, caring, loving parents. They did the best they could, but they just had a lot on their plate. I don't think there was a lot of ability to see us as individuals, mm. right? In fact, my sister and I were referred to our entire life as the girls. <laughs> so we were a unit, <laughs> meaning the girls at the bottom because there were girls at the top too, my mm. older sisters, and then the boys <laughs> were the <laughs> midsection. I mean, that's kind of telling in itself. And then... The, and so the, like you as a person, you know, you had a role in that family, but you weren't, it was blurry, mm -hmm. right? And so when I flash forward to raising my daughter and one of the many things we, you and I talked about was me kind of employing, not that, you know, she's an only child. So there wasn't this glossing into this pack of kids mm -hmm. with her, but maybe where I wasn't seeing her as an individual was where I was putting my sense of childhood on her. Mm -hmm. And you were reminding me, well, why is that relevant for her? She didn't, you know, sadly, she never knew my father. He passed away before she was born. She wouldn't even have known the values that he brought forth mm -hmm. unless, of course, I was delivering them to her. She wasn't parented by my father. So how would she know any of that? And my repeatedly coming back to like, well, it wouldn't have worked like this in my family mm -hmm. was so importantly called out by you as such a meaningless <laughs> trick to, to use with her because it had no relevance. And mm -hmm. I, I think it really was how I wasn't seeing her separate mm -hmm. from me. Whether or not that came from my childhood or parents do that all the time anyways, I, I wondered if it had come from this sense that we, we didn't have a lot of autonomy in terms of, you know, and ironically, we were all really strong individuals, which maybe was what we pushed forth coming from a family like mine, which made it even more frustrating that we weren't seen as individuals. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a, that is just such a wonderful, um, 
way to learn and to know why all parents and all people really need help. So you're going to go to to different people for so many things and to get help in so many areas. But when you are raising another human being, you never think that you need to go for help. You just kind of think that it should be innate and it's so not innate. Mm -hmm. It's so cumbersome. It's so clumsy. It's so we don't know what we're doing. And so of course we default to what was expected in our family, what was the norm in our family, um, what were the expectations, and what it, what are the cultural expectations. So when you tried to make those applicable to your daughter, it just didn't fit, and that's what we all do. It's not just you. You just are vulnerable enough to look at it and to um, be willing enough to hear the feedback from me or the questions from me to say, you know, how does that, how does that work for her when, you know, I think, can you give me an example? Cause I, I could say some, but I want to make sure that I'm thinking the same things you are. An example of me applying my yes. rules on her or, um, sure. One of the things, well, you helped me see so clearly <laughs> that she is not me, right? <laughs> And I, I thought, oh, got it. Uh, you know, things where I lived a kind of life because I had this in my observant visual learning, I had seven siblings mm. come before me that I could take life lessons from and seven siblings who lived really um, large lives, so to speak, and made great mistakes and great victories. But in their mistakes, I was like, oh, my goodness, mm. ain't going to do that. That is not for me. I kind of learned to play it safe. And for what felt safe for me and keep playing it safe meant I'd stay alive. <laughs> and when my daughter started, because right, my brothers were in the 70s and there was a big drug culture and there was, you know, there was a lot of drinking and driving. It was before mothers against drunk drivers. I mean, it was just a kind of wild yeah. west of living, right? It was the seventies. And when, um, when my, when I saw my daughter growing up and being confronted by challenges, social challenges, she would have to make calls about, um, you know, respectfully to her, she made some tough calls and, um, as kids do, and to complicate it, she didn't have any lessons served up right. from, for her of kids who were coming before her, and she could make choices based on an observant learning as I did. She was going to make her, you know, she would make her choices. She would either make a mistake from them or go forward in a way she felt good about, but that's how she right. was going to learn, and it was really you helped me to see that she wasn't me. It was important for her to have the space to make those right. decisions. Growing up is messy, right? And for me, to, you taught me to trust that she would make the right decision or if she made the wrong decision, she would be okay. Because if I parented her from a place of lacking trust if i didn't trust her she would prove to be right. untrustworthy that's su such a great way to put it and, and I, I think the the piece that's imperative is 
that when you project your own fears of being the youngest of seven because your brothers were in this growing up in the 70s in the wild west of drug culture and you make that the story of what's going on you leap to that catastrophizing fear that that mm-hmm. could happen to your daughter when it's they're not even nearly the same that's when um right I think the wheels come off. And, and so you, you were so, um, quick to learn that when I just simply asked, you know, how are they the same? Um, you, you saw that immediately. So that was, I think, um, a great learning on your part. And by the way, I don't know many people who don't have that learning. Most of us, whatever fear or, um, thing that we did in our teenage years, when our kids become teenagers, we automatically project that onto our kids. Um, and you know, it can come in many different forms, right? It can come for you. It was maybe in, in that form. And for someone else, it might be, you know, oh, I didn't, my daughter didn't get invited to the party and now I'm going to catastrophize that she doesn't have any friends. And I don't even ask my daughter, do you want to go to the party? It was just a reminder of, you know, when I was a teenager and didn't get invited to a party. Right. And so we conflate, you know, our own selves with our children and we project our own hurts that maybe even are not, are not even conscious, they're subconscious onto our kids. And it's just something that many of us do unless you're working hard at it. So, um, in that vein, I think we, we've touched upon several things here, um, how vulnerability elicits great growth and how sometimes we bring forth some things that happened or we always do I think bring forth things that happened in our childhood and how they may or may not serve us Um, and so for right now I think that we should just continue the story of all of the other things that you learned at a date or uh, later time if that sounds okay to you Beth but it's been such a pleasure um, talking with you and I can't wait to continue this um, conversation at least, if not each week, um, a couple times a week, because there's so much here, and there's so much that so many people can learn from um, from the work that we both have done together and both have done as individuals. So, until next time. That sounds wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so Beth. much, Cara. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.